0: Why it's right of a sports podcast episode 4 So it's been a little bit hasn't it? It's been a couple weeks Um, <laughs> um I'm sorry about that uh, I have been finishing up my regular semester of school And then about two days after I finished that I started up summer school And I've just been Trying to work on getting more consistency And also improving my grades and well, not improving them, just keeping them up. But that's kind of the only reason. Um, I got a little lazy and there weren't a lot of sports to talk about. There's not much going on sports wise. And so there wasn't too much to talk about. So I just took the time uh, away from podcasting and just decided to, you know, work on my schoolwork, which I mean, It's not good on my part. I need to be more consistent, and I will be more consistent. But um, that was why I was away. That is my excuse. But in my time away, I did not stop thinking about this podcast. I continue to think about it in ways to improve it, ways to make it better. Um, So I have plans for the future. In the next couple episodes, I will be making a YouTube channel for this podcast. And in it, I will be including clips from the podcast. I'll also be including a full-length version of the podcast. Um, No, there will not be any video. (laughs) I don't think I should do video and audio at the same time. That would just be crazy. Number one, I don't have a good enough webcam um, to do that, and those are expensive. Um, But I think just putting up a full-duration podcast on YouTube and also putting out clips uh, would just help the podcast not only grow, but grow some interest, posting the clips on social media, uh, such as my Twitter, which is at W-R-S-P Network on Twitter. Um, And so posting the clips there, and kind of getting it out more socially, I feel like that would help spread um, this podcast. So yeah, I'm thinking about doing... Well, I'm not thinking about it. I am going to do that. So I'm in the process of making that. And then for clips, I am in the process of deciding what I should do for clips. Since I am not recording video, um, would it be putting B-roll about what I'm talking about over that? Or maybe just putting um, the podcast logo. I'm going to be looking into what, I, what I'll what i be doing with that. But... Um, yeah, I'll be working that out. So it might take a couple episodes for clips to get up. Um, but also, when actual school starts, if school ever resumes, we we don't know. COVID-19 could keep us in the house uh, forever. So <laughs> that might not be a worry. But when my actual school starts and I'm going in person, I might not be able to make clips as consistently or I might not to be able to make as um, as many clips Um So we'll see. It's going to be, I'm going to play it by ear. We're just going to go and we're going to do it. But moving right along um, into this, kind of the first thing I want to talk about today was some news that broke a while ago. It actually wasn't as big as I expected it to be, but NCAA athletes can now make money off their likeness. I believe starting in the uh, 2021 to 2022 season, or starting in 2021, They can make money off their own likeness. So we could see players in now college get brand deals. They can make money off of their face. We can see, we've seen a lot of players had to leave college or demonetize their YouTube pages um, because they were making money off their likeness. Okay, so now these athletes can monetize their likeness from a young age. You could see Trevor Lawrence... Oh, well, granted, I don't know if you'll be there when this is all happening, but we could see like um, a Justin Fields, (laughs) Justin Fields, making money off his own likeness. He actually might not even be there when this is happening, but we can see big time college athletes in commercials or, you know, maybe it doesn't even have to be as big as commercials, but they could be promoting stuff on their social medias. They could be having their own YouTube channels where they're doing brand deals I don't know if it works for shoe deals. Like, I don't know if we're going to get, like, a kid. He goes to an Adidas school, but he's sponsored by Nike. So now he has to wear Nike cleats and Adidas jerseys. I don't know how that's going to work. But they can make money now, which is something that has been a big topic of discussion for years. The ar- I've always been for the argument, let the players make the money. Without the players, you don't have the sport. and That's period, end of story. Without the players, you don't have the sport. Okay, so granted, the players should not be able to run rampant, but <laughs> um, but they should still allow to make money when you're making so much money off of them. The schools are profiting so much from these football players, these basketball players, these soccer players, these baseball players, these softball players, all this money is being made off of these and these schools are becoming powerhouses not only for sports, but for making money. And also, they can increase their education and whatnot all through it, and these players get a scholarship. And granted, you're like, that's a free education. Not a lot of people get that. Some people can't even afford that education. I completely agree with you. But also, these kids are bringing in that money. They deserve that education, okay? Because without some of these athletes coming to these schools, some of these schools are probably a lot smaller, okay? And that's the honest truth. Okay. Without these great athletes, these schools aren't as big. They are not as big. Okay. Athletics does so much for a school that academics cannot. Granted, is a doctor more important than a professional athlete? In ways, yes. Okay. But granted, the doctor is not bringing millions and millions of dollars to the school. That's my argument on that. Um, So, if you're an NCAA athlete, you can make money off your face pretty soon. So that's pretty cool. All right. So that's just one thing I wanted to get out of the way. That I that I thought was really cool. It was very underrated as news, but now it can happen. But moving on, the UFC did it. Okay, Dana White did it. I know we talked, I believe in the last episode. Dana White was trying to buy an island. And then that got shut down, but Dana White was persistent. He did not fight on an island. He fought in Florida because Florida deemed professional sports a uh, essential workplace. And so UFC 249, a pay-per-view event, kicked it off, and it was great. I watched the whole thing. The prelims were really good. It was a stacked bout. It was so good. And it worked. The empty arena was actually kind of cool. There was one part in it where a fighter, after he won the fight, I don't remember which fighter it was. There was just a lot. But he heard what Daniel Cormier, one of the commentators of the UFC 249, and also a UFC fighter. um, He heard, he's like, he should start kicking the leg more, I believe it was. And the guy went back to his corner, he's like, "Uh, I heard DC say I need to kick the leg more, so I'm going to kick the leg more. And he won the fight. That's crazy. That's kind of the cool things you get from empty arenas. I was sitting there and I was almost trying to make the argument that empty arenas might be better than than full arenas. Because you can have stuff like that and you can hear every flipping punch. You can hear everything. Okay? But uh, at the end of the day, fans are amazing. Fans are kind of what make the whole thing great. So we do need – we you know, when it's safe – we need fans back, but that won't be any time too soon. But the empty arenas weren't that bad. Granted, we've only seen it work with UFC. We have not seen it work with anything else. Um, there's a charity golf thing going on with Phil Nicholson, Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady right now. That's working pretty well, but granted, those guys are all stars and they're all, they all have great personalities. So that's kind of different. But the UFC has gotten off a couple good fight nights with a lot of action. And only one person tested positive for COVID-19 during that time. So it's safe. And it's working. And it's really cool. And um, I'm going to segue right into this. But I'm going to come back to the UFC. Uh, just because the segue is very nice. Everything's working um, in Florida. And an NBA the NBA wants a piece of that pie. OK, the NBA has been trying to come back soon at a while ago. I'm pretty sure I reported on the last podcast that Brian Winhorse was basically saying that the NBA is in more talks of how we're going to cancel the season than how we are going to continue the season. OK, but now that has switched. LeBron James and a bunch of star players got together and basically like we want to keep playing. We want to keep playing. And the league, I guess, sent out a... A survey and it's like, do you want to keep playing? And the majority was yes. And so now it looks like they're going to try to go to Walt Disney World. Okay, set everybody up in Walt Disney World and play there. Um, and they basically reduce travel or eliminate travel at all cost, and everybody continues playing the NBA season. Now, um, granted, without fans as well, there will be no fans in attendance, but um, on the JJ Redick podcast, uh, produced by the Ringer Podcast Network, he, granted, he's an NBA player, so he has a lot more information. What their plan was, the NBA's plan to bring back everything, was that basically, I believe, teams like one through one through six, so teams seeded one through six in each conference will play against each other as like scrimmage matches. Okay. So it's like, um, you know, granted the, like the Lakers and the Clippers, they will play against each other, but those seeds are locked in right then and there. Okay. The Lakers would home would own the one seed in the West and Milwaukee would own the one seed in the East. Okay. But they would just scrimmage against each other, um, to, you know, get reps back in. But what would be televised is matches between seeds seven through I believe twelve, and then uh, maybe thirteen. I think it's I think it's seeds um, seven through thirteen, and then seeds fourteen and fifteen. Or it maybe is a thirteen seed. Just depending on how many games out they are, don't get to play. They don't have to show up because they're out of contention, and they're basically trying to eliminate the amount of games. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to eliminate the amount of games, eliminate the amount of people showing up to these things. If you're out of contention, don't even bother showing up. Okay, because now we're focused on just crowning a champion and getting to next season. And I like that because I don't want to see the Golden State Warriors play. Okay, Steph Curry played like a couple games this year, and he was good. It was fun to watch him, but it's like I don't like (laughs) I, I tweeted a while back. I said, it's crazy when this whole pandemic is over, the first team eliminated will be Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. That'll be the first team <laughs> eliminated from the playoffs. Granted, um, you know, I just by then all those players would be back from injury. They were not there during the season. But that's just funny to me that a team like that is the first team out of the playoffs. So it's, but it's like the Cavaliers, the Knicks, they don't need to show up. The Suns don't need to show up. The Timberwolves don't need to show up. I think they're really far out of contention. They had, (laughs) they had a really bad start. They had a great start to the year, but then all of a sudden something happened and they just didn't win for months. It was really bad, but it's like those teams don't need to show up. Those teams do not need to show up. Um, and I, I do like that. And then they would go into the playoffs, and it would just be regular playoffs, and then we get through the playoffs and we crown a champion and focus on next season. Now, the argument at the beginning of this was if this resumes too late, we are not going to have a long off season. That's true. We're not gonna have a long off season, but I think what the NBA should truly do is start the season. On Christmas Day, because I heard this argument, I believe, on the Bill Simmons podcast, another Ringer Sports podcast, um, and basically the argument was that basketball, when it tips off, is in the middle of football season, so why are we, why is the NBA still trying to compete with football? Why not move it to December? You're only competing with football for a little bit of time, okay, and you're on now, you know, during the week, and it's the beginning of the season. It's the genesis of the season where everybody is actually interested, okay? And then the season goes longer, I believe, like the finals would be in August. It would be in August or September when there's nothing on besides baseball. So people are like, why don't we, j- why don't we just do it that way? Because then we have sports truly all season long because then once basketball ends – Then we have football starting. So it's just, it's a perfect storm. Um, I think the NBA should look into doing that. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't, the NBA uh, practice facilities are opening up. I believe the last one to open up, um, I believe the Lakers and Clippers have started to open up, if not opened. I saw something that May 16th, but then after that, I didn't hear anything. Um, But they have held training sessions together. The Lakers, not the Lakers and Clippers, but just the Lakers and then the Clippers. Um, The last one to open up, I believe, is the New York Nets, or the most recent one to open up. Um, They will be uh, on May 26th, so in two days from this recording, they will be opening up for the public. So everything's coming back. I believe the start date is sometime in June. Uh, june 1st i believe we're supposed to have a plan that's uh what the commissioner i believe said so we could be seeing some nba action here pretty soon and i'm excited for that because that's going to be the only thing we have but it's actually going to be enjoyable besides the ufc all right actually back to the ufc great segue right back to it real quick conor mcgregor is coming for everybody's head okay conor mcgregor called out everybody um, I cannot pronounce the guy's name for the life of me, but the two uh, UFC 249 main event, um, the champion, or the interim champion, um, who won that, he just beat the hell out of his opponent. It was insane. Um, but Conor McGregor basically called out that guy and said he was weak, and Conor McGregor basically just came out and said, he's coming for everybody, and that he's... He's gonna dominate everybody and then he's gonna leave. Or he said he's gonna dominate the lightweight division, uh, I believe the 155 pound division, and then he's going to jump to 170 and dominate that division, and then he's gonna leave. And then Khabib came out and said you tapped out, and then, which he does have that <laughs> on him. Um, but then Conor McGregor called out Khabib, basically said. Come back to America so we can fight. Um, So, just a lot's going on. And then Nate Diaz tried to come out and say, um, I submitted the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Um, But then Nate Diaz lost in the rematch. Uh, So, everybody's trying to get their piece at McGregor. McGregor is still the money fight, or as he calls it, um, the red panty fight. (laughs) Um... That's something from one of his interviews um, that he said. But yeah, so Conor McGregor's serious about this, and that's insane. I'm very happy that he's going to be back and dominating. After his cowboy fight where he used that shoulder, that that was something really cool because it's something you don't see. Even watching UFC 249, even after everybody witnessing that, nobody even did it. And a lot of people were in the clinch, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, why don't you just use your shoulder? Pop this guy in the face. So he's – Carmen working on something, okay? He talks a lot of noise, but it's like he's wiser now. He came out and he's like, I spent zero money on my body. He's like, I did not. He's like, I saw LeBron spent a million on his body. He's like, so I started spending like a million-plus dollars on my body. When you do that, it, it usually is successful. <laughs> if I'm spending a million dollars on my body and I don't see results – I don't know what to tell you. If you're doing that, you might I don't know. And I don't think anybody listening to this has a million dollars to spend, let alone on their body. Alright, let's move over to the NFL. Hasn't been much news, but the news I want to kick off with is Earl Thomas. Um, Earl Thomas almost died, everybody. Okay, Earl Thomas almost died. But the news was insane. Okay, Earl Thomas came out. And said um, that TMZ will be breaking a story, basically saying a domestic abuse with his wife. So I'm coming out and I'm sitting there. I'm like, "Good gosh!" Like he abused his wife. That was my first. That was my first thought. And I was like, "What do you do from here? Like, if you're the Ravens, he's a key player for you. What do you do? What do you do about this?" And you know, but he said it was very interesting what he said. He said. Can you can you guys just pray for us? Can you pray for me and my wife? We're going through it. Please just pray for us. And I thought it was a very a very weird thing to say. And I you know, not that not that praying is weird. Okay? Not that praying is weird. I'm a man of God, but um that he took that route on it. I thought it was I thought there was then more to the story. Um and there was more to the story. Earl Thomas got caught cheating. Um, on his wife. I believe it was multiple people um, in a room, all indulging in sexual intercourse, along with Earl Thomas's brother. His wife um, located him, I believe, via Snapchat, Snap Maps. Um, she drove down there and then shot, or not shot, sorry, pulled a gun on Earl Thomas. She pulled out a gun on Earl Thomas, on everybody in the room, actually. Earl Thomas then defused the situation by disarming her. Um, I believe there was not a bullet in the chamber of the gun, so if it were to fire, um, nobody would have died, or nobody would have gotten shot. But Earl Thomas saved the day, um, and his wife was arrested. So that's what happened. It's an insane story, and Earl Thomas uh, did not abuse his wife, but his wife did try to kill him for cheating on him, which is absolutely insane. Uh, I just want to talk about that because that's insane. It's a little bit of old news, but it's still still pretty crazy. All right, let's move on to the NFL Draft, kind of the only big news besides some other news. Um, The NFL Draft... Okay, number one, I thought it went really good for being an at-home draft. I thought somebody was going to mess it up. And I thought we're going to have to come out and say that this person drafted the wrong person. They meant to draft this person. It was going to be this whole big deal and whatnot. But it didn't. It actually went very well. It was more enjoyable than drafts in the past, in my personal opinion. The only thing that I thought was so funny is after these guys would get drafted, they'd go to their feed, their live feed, and... It was behind, it was delayed. And so they'd go to the live feed, and all of a sudden it's just it's just them sitting there. Like stone faced. And so that that was a little weird, but then they fixed that in the later rounds instead of the first round. It was very weird. Um But the real winners of the draft here are the Baltimore Ravens. The rich get richer, as they say. Um they got a really good uh, linebacker from LSU and Patrick Queen. They got the steal of the draft, in my opinion, J.K. Dobbins, running back from Ohio State. I said in the last podcast, talking about the AFC North, that Mark Ingram needed a backup running back, and what did the Ravens go out and do? Draft a backup running back. Only thing was they did not get a second wide receiver until the sixth round. They only drafted one um, wide receiver out of SMU, but besides that, strong draft, a lot of defense taken in this draft, a couple guards taken... Um, but they owned that draft. They dominated it. The Dolphins themselves had a really good draft. The Cowboys had a really good draft, drafting C.D. Lamb um, in the first round, which they got the best, one of, if not the best, wide receiver in the draft. Um, but, you know, in my opinion, the, the Dolphins, you know, landed on a lot of their picks. Also, the Cardinals... The Cardinals s- struck gold with Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker slash safety from Clemson. They struck gold with that. When Carolina passed on him, they struck gold with that. I thought he was then going to drop to the Cleveland Browns, but he didn't, but that's all right. So now the Arizona Cardinals had a great draft, too. Uh, a lot of defense. It was kind of a mix it was defense and offense. They didn't really need any more offense. Um, they have Kenyon Drake, they have DeAndre Hopkins, which is really weird to say, the Bengals got Burrow, I mean, that's just the big story, they also got a wide receiver from Clemson, which is, which that'll be kind of (laughs) interesting, um, you guys were against each other in a championship game, and now he's got to throw touchdowns to you, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Bengals had a strong draft, I mean, you can't go wrong with Joe Burrow, um, Jaguars had a good draft after having a shockingly bad off season so far. Uh, the Jaguars are the first team, um, to ever be, um, not favorites. So they are the underdog in every game on their schedule this season. <laughs> and the Ravens are the favorite on every game in their schedule this season. Um, okay, here it is. The Dol- I was looking in my notes for who the dolphins drafted. So the dolphins got Tua. They won the Tua sweepstakes. Tank for Tua worked. Um, And then they got, in the first round, they got Tua. They got a USC offensive tackle who uh, they were talking about. They said he needs a little bit more work, but this team is a work in progress. And then they got an Auburn cornerback who I saw who who I thought was really good. Uh, Just on tape. He had great measurables. He looked really good on tape and everything. And then they got... You know, more O-line in the second round, more defense. It, would, it just it looked like I went defense-offense. Also, they got the true steal of the draft. And Curtis Weaver, an edge rusher from Boise State, um, who, in my opinion, is one of the better, if not the best, edge rusher besides Chase Young in this draft. That's also my bias because I love Boise State. But, you know, I'm talking about everybody who had a great draft. There was actually a lot of good drafts. I was watching it, and I was sitting there, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is these are great picks by everybody, by every team." You know, all like all the bad teams had great drafts, um, and it seemed like all the good teams had had bad drafts, and that's especially especially what happened with the Green Bay Packers. So when you think of Green Bay, kind of their their thing is Aaron Rodgers. You know they got Aaron Rodgers. They got a quarterback. They don't need one. Okay, he just signed, he has four years left on his contract, but they Brett favre him. They just flipped a switch on him and drafted Jordan Bell, or sorry, not Jordan Bell. That's a uh, NBA player. Um, they drafted Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State, in the first round, twenty-six overall. Aaron Rodgers was drafted twenty-fourth overall when Brett Favre had three years left on his deal. Uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers were both the same age. (laughs) Um, And so that was the big surprise of the first round, was that Jordan Love went to Green Bay. Interesting. And um, it's just, you know, and Aaron Rodgers had come out and has been better than Brett Favre was. (laughs) But so then in the second round, you're like, okay, it's the second round. Who are we going to get? They draft a running back. And probably besides... They're wide receivers. Uh, They have a pretty good running back. So instead of, I believe, giving up like um, over 100 yards in um, yards after contact in the NFC Championship game, they did not draft defense until the fifth round with a linebacker from Minnesota. And then they drafted (laughs) just a... Uh, Defensive back from TCU and an edge rusher from Miami in the seventh round. So they went away from defense in the draft, and they said, let's draft two offensive guards and a center in the sixth round. And then in the third round, they actually got, I was watching the tape on this guy, uh, the Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati tight end, Josiah, uh, sorry if I butcher your name if you're listening, uh, DeGrua. Uh, I thought he was great. He was a lanky tight end. Um, not lanky, sorry. He was seemed like he was a little bit faster. Um, but it also seemed like he was a very good tight end. Um, I did a horrible job in explaining why I thought he was good. <laughs> but I thought he was a very good tight end, but they didn't have their first good pick until the third round. That shows you that that's not good. The other surprise of the draft was the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts, who I thought maybe the Steelers should pick up. Um, they drafted him in the second round, and when asked about that, Howie Rosen, the general manager of the Eagles, came out and said, we want to be a quarterback factory. What? (laughs) Why? Why do you want to be a quarterback factory? What? (laughs) I don't understand that. Uh, they said they talked to Carson Wentz about it. Carson Wentz was fine. Uh, granted, they do need a backup quarterback. Uh, they had... Josh McDaniels, Um, that could not be the guy's name, I'm pretty sure it's his name, Um, that also might be the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, but they had a a 40-year-old quarterback who I believe like tore something, it tore his quad or tore his hamstring um, in the first round of the playoffs, okay, when Carson went down due to kind of a dirty hit by Jadavion Clowney, which gave him a concussion. Um, and then the Broncos, the Broncos got better on offense. That offense could be back. They could be sneaky good. They could get one of those, um, second AFC wild cards. but that was kind of the big thing from the draft. I'll get into more of the draft stuff when I get back to my, um, review of the, of the teams in each division next week or next podcast, um, will be the NFC North. So we'll be talking more about the Packers and we'll be talking about Um, more about everything uh, in the AFC North. We'll be talking more about the Vikings, who had a great draft, the Bears, which had a uh, draft, and uh, the Lions, who actually had a pretty good draft. So seeing everything about that. Um, So that's kind of enough for the draft. But signings, okay? The only big signing I want to talk about is Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement and then got traded for like a second, a seventh round pick. Sorry, not a second. A seventh round pick to go to Tampa. All right, it was a fourth. It was a fourth, let's be fair. It, it was Rob Gronkowski in a, second, in a seventh round pick for a fourth round pick from the Patriots. So, Gronk is back in Tampa with Tom Brady. Everybody's like, this offense is going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. You got a mesh. It's a brand new system. Um... But if Gronk can be anything of his old self, then it's going to be hard. Because Rob Gronkowski literally seemed like he was this unstoppable force in the NFL. He is, in my opinion, the greatest tight end of all time. So we're going to have to see. <laughs> we are going to have to see. The, that might be deadly. The NFC South is going to be so good to watch. Every NFC South game should be on primetime. Maybe not every, but, like, when the good teams face... You get what I'm saying. All right? So that's the only thing. Is Gronk's Tampa... Oh, my. Me, oh, my. Uh, last thing I want to talk about the NFL. Um, is this rule that the NFL is considering um, that would give teams a better draft better draft position if they hired coaches of color. Um, I don't want to get too political, <laughs> but... I I don't like this rule. I don't like this rule at all. Uh I think this is this is encouraging people to I don't I don't know the proper way to say it. It's giving people a reward for hiring coaches of color, which is just interesting. I mean, just saying it doesn't 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 feel right. It doesn't sound right. And I don't think you should be rewarded for that. Um, I feel like we 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 should be better as a society in 2020. That um, we should un, we should recognize talent and recognize great things without having to be rewarded because they are a person of color and we should hire them. Um, I I don't like that at all. Um, and you know, but there is. There is still something wrong um, with why some coaches of color are not being hired. The offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, the Super Bowl offensive coordinator, did not get an interview. I could be wrong on that. He could have got an interview, but he did not get a head coaching job. How do you not hire a guy like that? How do you not hire a guy like that who has run the best offense in football, for the past two years. How do you not hire a guy like that? That's ridiculous. I understand like stuff like that is why I believe this rule has to be put in place. I don't know if it will be put in place, but I think it's so bad that we have to reward people for hiring coaches of color. I don't like that. Okay. I just, I just, that just doesn't sit right with me. I think we should be better as people and as a society than that. That's my personal opinion. I won't talk about it any, any much longer. All right, so we're going to finish okay, today with talking about The Last Dance. I feel like I've kind of flown through this thing. I feel like I've been talking faster today. I don't know why. But I want to talk about The last, last Dance. I think I have two more episodes on it. I believe just nine and ten. Um, but I think it's really good. I love it. Um, I'm learning stuff about, you know, Michael Jordan and those Bulls teams and, you know, the era of 90s basketball, which I've heard was impossible to play in. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, the documentary is amazing. I want to get into my like uh, directing critiques, I guess, in a little bit. But maybe nobody cares about that. Um, But so the 90s have been gassed up as this. Impossible era for players now to play in. Hot take 90% of the players in the NBA today could play back in the 90s. If you see <laughs> some of the foul calls that Jordan gets, nobody's flipping touching the guy. And then it's just whistle, two free throws for Jordan. Granted, it was Michael Jordan. He's getting calls like a LeBron, a Harden, a Curry, although I don't think Curry gets a lot of calls. Um, but he's getting calls left and right, and M- Magic Johnson even made a even made a uh, a joke about it in the episode. They were talking about the Dream Team, Michael Jordan or sorry Magic Johnson. Very hard get him confused. <laughs> Magic Johnson was taking a picture. It was uh, Magic MJ and Bird, and um, you know Magic came in and he's like, "Oh, if you get too close to MJ in the game, this is a foul." And then MJ fired back. He's like, you have – you've gotten a foul called on you in about two years, which is probably true. But one, th- one thing why I think that athletes can play uh, – athletes today could play in the 90s um, is, number one, athletes today are faster, better, stronger. So they're faster, they're smarter, and they're stronger. Okay. Everybody's saying LeBron wouldn't survive in the 90s. LeBron would be the most dominant player in the 90s. Going up against some of these guys who were a little more athletic. You think of LeBron, okay, who is taller than Michael Jordan, weighs more than Michael Jordan, okay, is a better shooter than Michael Jordan, <laughs> um, would, would, like, not be able to survive, if Steve Kerr got switched on to him, he would be living his best life. Like that's that's my thing. I mean, the smaller guards like a Damian Lillard, uh, Steph Curry, um, a, you know maybe even a Russell Westbrook. Him being six three, but he's so explosive and he's just so strong. You know, guys like that. Like maybe even like a Clay Thompson, just because he'd have to get even more physical on defense. Um, I feel like that would take a toll on them and that may be, you know, they may not be as good, but also, like, the 90s weren't that hard, it's like, I'm sorry to everybody who believed that, but looking at today's NBA, and then looking at all the clips in The Last Dance, trying to tell me that the 90s were hard, everything, everything that they're like, oh, the bad boy Pistons, you know, yeah, the bad boy Pistons pissed a lot of people off, and they did a lot of things, but, Every kind of dirty thing they did got called as a foul. So it's not like you would drive to the basket. I think there was one call or one clip where they drove, somebody got knocked down, and then it was just they kept playing. But besides that, every other thing was somebody get somebody would drive to the basket, they'd get hard fouled, everybody'd stand up, get into a fight, and fouls would be and fouls would be called. That's it. It's it's not too different. The only difference is you see a lot more mid-range today. Okay, You see a lot more mid-range. I still think this is kind of off topic. I still think mid-range is a fine shot today in the NBA. Granted, if you're missing mid-range shots, stop taking them. I think you're, the you know strategy would be you'd be preferred to miss threes than mid-ranges because if you're going to miss a mid-range, just go and lay it up. But anyway, um, I don't think the 90s era of basketball um, is as hard as everybody thinks it is. Um, but, so I had a couple critiques on The Last Dance. Although I think it's amazing, I love just the style of it. Um, I love the early episodes talking about Nike and Jordan and all these commercials. I just love, like, seeing everybody, um, you know, decked out in Jordans and wearing all, like, these vintage stuff, which I think is really cool. Um, my only critique is I just feel like in an episode, you're talking about one thing, and then you dart back and you talk about another thing. Like, so for example, um, I thought, you know, the last dance, it was going into it. I thought it was just the career of Michael Jordan. You know, I basically thought it was just the 30 for 30. Let's talk about Mike. And then it kind of turned into, well, it was the Bulls, And I was like, Okay. I'm cool with that. I want to know everything about the bulls, but then all of a sudden like we're going from like this was MJ in 98. Okay. So the last season, which they called the last dance. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be more focused on the last dance, which Phil Jackson called it. It's basically the last season where Jerry Krause was like, I'm not bringing Phil back. And then MJ was like, I'm not coming back if Phil's not there. And then it was basically the end of the Bulls era. But (laughs) what I just don't understand is why all of a sudden it's like, MJ struggled at the beginning of the 98 season. And then all of a sudden it's like, but let's jump back to 1989. And it's like, wait, why are we going all the way back to 1989? it's like, then let's go to 94. Then let's go here. Then let's go here. Then let's go... And I'm like, why am I going to four different time periods in one episode? I don't get it. Like, I just kind of wish the first episode was MJ drafted or MJ in college, like the early life of MJ to when he got drafted. That's what I wanted the first episode to be. Then the second episode was, you know... MJ on the bulls in the early years, getting Scotty intro, like then we go through Scotty's life. Okay. Almost chronological order. That's what I want because I'll see clips and it's like the bulls don't have Rodman. And then all of a sudden it's like, then I see clips and Rodman's there. And it's just, it's very confusing. And it's like, there was clips before they talked about Steve Kerr getting there after MJ had retired, that Steve Kerr was in the clips. And it's it's very all over the place. That's the only complaint. And so you really have to be following, because you could look up, and you're like, wait a minute, we're in 1998, we were in 1994, five seconds ago. Um, and so it's just very back and forth between time periods. I wish they would have gone in chronological order. I wish they would have gone in chronological order. Um, and then the Like, the focus, the final maybe even four episodes, but the final, like, two episodes is focused on the quote-unquote last dance, that 1997 to 1998 season. Um, Like, that would have been fine with me, but that's been hinted at the whole time. And we all know how this ends. We all know it ends with Phil going to L.A. and then Michael retiring, but then ultimately coming out. Scotty, I believe, going to the Rockets and then to go to the Trailblazers or he might have gone to the Trailblazers, then the Rockets, then Rodman going elsewhere and Steve Kerr going to the Spurs and Jerry Krause, then ultimately leaving the Bulls and not being able to rebuild them. So we know how it ends. Okay, so give me the chronological story. That's all I want. (laughs) That's my own. That's my only critique with it. The rest of it, I really like. And that's kind of a big critique. The um, last thing I'm going to end with is that the last dance has sparked up the greatest of all time debate between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. It's a shame that Kobe Bryant is not included in that. His resume speaks for itself. But between the two, LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, um, that debate is back, and that debate is heated, and people are going at it. Okay that's that's going in I don't want to get into it because I think both players are amazing I have all of my players all all three of those players um Kobe Mike and and LeBron they're all my top three okay they fill out my top three but um although when LeBron's career is said and done he's going to be the best player of all time He's held to a higher standard that Jordan was. Jordan was held to the standard everybody wanted him to be perfect. And he's like, I don't really want to be perfect. I want to gamble. I want to do this, this, and this. LeBron was just already perfect. But we're like, ah, you weren't MJ. You weren't undefeated in the finals. Um, If Michael Jordan had to go to the finals with the, with the teams... That LeBron had to go with, he would have had a couple losses. And if Michael Jordan went to the finals as many times as LeBron, he would have at least had one loss. Mark my, my words. That's all I gotta say about it. Okay, that's all I gotta say right now. All right. If you want to hear more about the goat debate, um, leave a review, whatever review you want, or tweet me. You can tweet us at WRSP um, Network on Twitter. Or just me, Wyatt Mitchison, on Twitter. You can find me. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up. Leave us a review. Uh, I know we haven't been here in a while. Uh, just you know, communicate with us, either whether it be on social media, through the reviews and everything. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. It actually feels good to be back and talk about sports. Hopefully the next time I'm doing this, um, along with the NFC North review, I will be talking about... The NBA and it coming back. I'm very happy sports are slowly but surely coming back. But hey, this COVID 19 crisis, pandemic, epidemic, redemic that's not a word, but whatever you want to call this crisis, pandemic I just basically repeated what I said. But whatever you want to call this, it's not over. People are still getting this virus, people are still dying. Um, it's not over. Okay, We just got to stick through it. Okay, Wash your hands. Stay safe. Take your vitamins. Take your medicine. Do everything you need to do. Wear a mask out in public. Wear gloves. Wash your hands. Bring hand sanitizer everywhere. Whatever you need to do to stay safe. And also, keep track of your mental health and keep, take care of your mental health. Go outside for a little bit. Walk around. But stay six to eight feet apart. Okay, Work out. Do a couple push-ups. Okay? Get a little bit of a sweat in. Okay. Do good things for yourself. All right. All right. Um, Thank you again for listening to this episode, and it has been my pleasure to come back and produce content for everybody listening. So again, I've said thank you about five times, it feels like, but thank you, and I will see you in the next episode. All right. Goodbye.